Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Well, thanks to Corky Research, one of the indispensable follows on Twitter, Nick Saban, an assistant at West Virginia, has been picked by Ohio State University coach Earl Bruce to become the defensive secondary coach on the Buckeye squad. Saban will replace Pete Carroll, who left Ohio State after the Rose Bowl game to become defensive coordinator at North Carolina State. That was 1980. Whoa. And I think that was yesterday. I think that was yesterday, 1980, January 10. So Saban, that was the other major news yesterday. The link to him and Pete Carroll on the same day, 72-year-old coaches stepping aside. The news emerging that Saban has informed Alabama that he will be retiring. And clearly one of the very greatest, if not the greatest, college football coaches of all time cracked the code on how to go out and recruit and coach and win and win and win. Seven seven national championships in all, one at LSU, six at Alabama. Incredible run. I think worn down by the NIL stuff. I think you know, so, it's funny. Too. Anytime he would complain about NIL, and, and I would say that he understands he can't compete in that world, there would be people who'd say, oh, no, no, he's playing next-level chess here. He's saying, if you don't change the rules, I'm going to use them against you. I don't buy it because in a world where boosters can come together and pay players whatever they want to pay them, the schools with the richest boosters who are the most motivated to funnel as much money as possible to a football team are the schools that are going to emerge as the best. And Alabama isn't one of them, period. So he knows how much harder it is for him to compete in today's college game. So he's getting while the getting's good. And we assume he's going to TV. Now, somebody told me, and I haven't done this yet, obviously, because the show's still happening. Somebody said, go back and watch the last time Saban was on with Pat McAfee and listen to his words carefully. Because apparently, and I don't know whether or not this person's right, apparently there may be some clues there that he'd be inclined to give the NFL another go. As crazy as that sounds, 
after being gone 16 years, 72 years old. I can't imagine. But somebody's going to hire 71-year-old Bill Belichick, and somebody may hire 72-year-old Pete Carroll. Why should Nick Saban be excluded just because, well, you know, he's 72 and it's been a long time since he's coached in the NFL. He could be exactly what a team needs. Yeah, I don't know. That would be enough to exclude him to me. I mean, he just it's, it's, he's, a, he's been in the college game for a long time. I wouldn't want him to come in and run an organization at this point, right? But, I mean, geez, it's, 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 it's incredible what he did. I think you're probably right. The, the changing landscape of college football, the NIL, was certainly, I mean, I would think a negative, a detractor to him. He complained about it all along. I mean, he was basically giving flat rates. He wasn't going to go down to, oh, I'm going to give you a boatload of money and make you the king of this football team with a bunch of college kids. You know, I think that's why he liked college anyways. You know, college is, 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 it's a dictatorship. There's one king. It's the head coach. You listen to him. He tells you where to sleep, what time they serve food at the mess hall. He does everything. That's what he is. And that's where, you know, the NIL certainly changed that to a degree. And hey, it's been an unbelievable run. He's getting up there in, 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 in years as well. And I don't, I was shocked that it's just happening kind of out of nowhere, that there was no, you know, no feel or, or sense that this was a legitimate thing that could happen this year. But, man, I mean, to win two national championships at two different schools and the run he went on at Alabama where, yeah, Alabama, of course, was good at that time but not, like, special to what they are. He brings them back to their glory days. And like the Patriots and, you know, the guy that taught him, it was like an inevitable thing every year. It was just like, well, hey, we're getting towards the Final Four, the BCS, whatever, whatever the hell they called it, right? Alabama's getting the conversation. Alabama's the best team. Alabama's three. Alabama's four. I mean, it's unreal the run he went in college football and how dominant he was for as long as he was. And uh, Sad day to see him go because I, I love watching Nick Saban football teams and I love watching his interviews too. He's got a little of that West Virginia snarkiness that I've known from some guy that that I work with uh, from time to time. 15 and 17 in two years with the Dolphins and was miserable at the NFL level, miserable with the Miami Dolphins, miserable that they traded a second-round pick for Dante Culpepper coming off of the torn knee ligament trifecta versus signing Drew Brees as an unrestricted free agent with no compensation to anyone because I think, the way Saban said it the most recent time I saw it, he blamed it on a doctor who didn't know his ass from a bag of sand. That was Saban's quote. They wouldn't pass Drew Brees on his physical. He had the studs in his shoulder. Yeah, there was a lot of people that were concerned then. Yeah. Yeah, but but still, but still. I know. Saban ran the show. If yeah. Saban wanted him, he would have had him. Yeah. Well, if it's, Saban it's... wanted Drew Brees, Drew Brees would have it's been the scary. quarterback of the Miami Dolphins. Drew Brees wanted to be the quarterback of the Miami Dolphins. No, I, I get that. I get that. I, I just, you know, again, you're about to be a head coach, and you're going to go, wait, I'm, I'm going to frame my organization around, like, the what doctors. Year two. Year two. Well, doctors, yeah, doctors and people are going to tell me that maybe this guy might never be the same. He didn't have a very good arm to begin with. That's why the Chargers were getting rid of him. Now we're going to get a guy that's got studs in his thing and people are concerned and there hadn't been a whole lot of people that had overcome that injury at that point. So there is a little context to it there. But, yeah, that was 
that was big. It really was. You're right. And that, that certainly would have changed things for him and maybe his outlook in the NFL. But I think all in all, like you said it, I think well, you brought it up last week, and he's, the, the, he was made for college football. The NFL's different. Personalities are different. Dealing with grown men are different. Dealing with a bunch of guys on your team that make as much money as you or more is different. And that's just different than managing you know, a bunch of 18- and 19-year-old kids who are looking for someone to bring them you know, to the glory days and bring them to the NFL. And that's where Nick Saban found the magic touch in college football. And, and look, I mean, age shouldn't be an issue, but if a team is looking for a long-term answer, how long-term of an answer are you getting yes. from yes. Bill Belichick, Pete Carroll, or Nick Saban? And with the Cowboys, it makes sense. We just want a Super Bowl. Yeah. We just want We just a want us a Super Jones. Bowl. <laughs> right, right. So I was trying to be delicate with that. I saw. So, because, you know, there's people out there who don't know the background. I used that term in a story over the weekend. And people and are somebody like, emailed me and said, did you really mean to use that? It's like, well, you must be new here. Yeah, right. Because this has kind of been a thing since 2012. Right. So with Saban, you throw in the age and you add the twist of, Two years with Miami, and he couldn't wait to get out. It makes it a tougher sell. Yes. If you start to get infatuated with what he could do, if he just had a quarterback, what could he do by coaching up a defense and all the other details of getting things buttoned up? What could he do? I think when people drilled down to his two years in Miami, and, you know, they didn't call him the dictator in Miami because it sounded cool. <laughs> he was ruling with an iron fist. Yes, and he was. I remember back in those days, the, the, the local media was beaten down by this guy, and they were telling me all this stuff he was doing and stuff that was happening in the building and these weird rules that he had. And, you know, at Alabama, the iron fist includes, you know, a, a muzzle for everyone. Nobody said anything about Saban at Alabama. NFL, it's different. You don't control everyone in the NFL, the way you can control everyone with a college program. So I think it's not realistic, but who, who the hell knows? Based on this week, who the hell knows what's going to happen with Nick Saban now that he's available. But this isn't a great year for him to be available because all these other big-name coaches are out there. It would have been better for him. We haven't mentioned Jim Harbaugh today. All, you know, It would have been better for Saban if he's the only big-name coach with a great resume and historic accomplishments. There's three or four of them this year. No, I, I agree. That, that's why it, this feels like a true retirement, and he's had enough, and he's, you know, college football, in some ways, it's not the same in-season grind the NFL coaches have. It's not. That's where it's different. The NFL in-season grind is much more intense then, hey, college, there's the 20-hour rules. We know there's only so much coaching they can do, and then they have to go back to their office and call and text recruits and write letters and do all that stuff. You know, the NFL, the offseason is where it's a little bit more manageable. That doesn't happen in college football. That's where they have to continue to keep going, and there's spring practice, and, of course, they have to be on the recruiting trail. And It's, an, it's a year-around babysitting job to a degree. So I can understand a guy like him being exhausted from all of that after this run uh, and the NIL, like we talked about. It feels like a retirement, too, just because, hey, listen, they had a quarterback there that's he's pretty talented. He's got, you know, arrow pointing up and, and you know, some potential. Uh, so, so to leave that, too, 
right? That, that just that, that tells me that you know he's just had enough because uh, certainly Alabama's talent level doesn't look like it's falling off earth here anytime soon. Uh, I think this is one where he's just exhausted and he's going to enjoy some of his toys and his big lake house that he has. Where is that? Georgia that he always brings the players or whatever, and he's going to enjoy life a little bit. My wife's a big Nick Saban fan because he's from West Virginia. He's from just up the road. And she's kind of like, I wonder if he'll move back here. It's like, why would he? He can live anywhere he wants. Nothing against West Virginia, but he's got this house in Georgia. He can buy a house anywhere he wants. I don't know what family he has back here, but I'm not. And again, I, I live here. I choose to live here. But, you know, if Nick Saban does end up 20 miles up the road, I'll take him some pepperoni rolls and we can hang out and talk football. Oh, that would be, be great. I would love probably that. Not, Damn. Probably not fine by him. Um. <laughs> You know, and then there's the question of who takes over for him at Alabama. And yeah. this isn't really our beat, but it's you've got all these big-name coaches out there. Yeah. And it's Alabama. Right. It's Alabama. Right. It's, it's, not, it's not Alabama State. It's Alabama. No. No offense to Alabama State. Yeah. So, um, you know, if, if, this, if we would have known back in September this was going to happen, the no-brainer replacement would have been Deion Sanders. But – that thing went sideways in Colorado pretty quickly, and I'm not sure Deion Sanders to Alabama is going to be, you know, nearly as hot now as it would have been in September because I, I remember trying to figure out what the end game is for Deion. He kept saying, no NFL, no NFL, no NFL. But, boy, he and Saban get along well, and he speaks in hushed tones about Saban. That, again, back when Colorado was really good and it looked like Dion had figured out how to – go anywhere and be successful start to finish of a season. But the way things ended and some of the details in the management of the game, clock management, and never really got questioned about that the way he should have because there's this cult that's already, cult of personality that's built up around the Colorado program. I don't, you know, I, I saw some betting odds from one of these offshore sites that had him at 6-1. to one. I just don't see Deion Sanders to Alabama now. I don't think September, yet. right. September, yes. Now, no. No, now, yeah, I think now is, you know, hey, he's got to maybe prove himself a little bit more. Did a lot of good things there at Colorado, certainly. But, yeah, there's some things that uh, maybe need to be, you know, fine-tuned, whatever. We'll see. Year of recruiting there in Colorado, see what he does, what he pulls, pulls together as far as players on the team and where it goes. But, yeah, this is Alabama. Right. And I know like, yeah, they don't have maybe some of the boosters that some of the other big schools that do. They still have a lot of money. They're still from the last thing I saw. They make the second most money in all of college football when it's all said and done right behind the great Texas Longhorns. But Alabama is one of the few places that I think NFL coaches look at and go, ooh. I would maybe think about going there. Right. It's a short list where I think the true NFL coach. Right, would look to go to college when you go, okay, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Michigan, right, Alabama, USC, Texas, those are really the ones that you know, even NFL coaches who don't want to coach college go, Well, I think about it at those places. That's it's pretty special. And you well, know so so that's where I go. We where. hear that. Yeah. We hear that. Right. But other than Jim Harbaugh going back to Michigan. Yeah after he was fired by the 49ers, right. and Saban quitting the Dolphins and going to Alabama after he said, I'm not going to be the Alabama coach. Actually, that's finally true now. He can say, I'm not going to be the Alabama coach and mean it. It would be funny if that's what he said at his press conference. But we hear that all the time about this vague attraction of some of these big-time college jobs, yeah. and you wouldn't have to work as hard during the season. 
But we don't see it happen. No, I think it's because of the other stuff. Right? I mean, we've heard a lot of NFL coaches linked to, you know, Notre Dame over the years. Texas made a play for Kyle Shanahan not, you know, too long ago. Right? There's there's always, you know, that element. But yeah, at the end of the day, I think the guys they're attracting for the most part, like, yeah, they talk about it, but then they realize, like, damn, I'm gonna have to talk to Johnny and Jimmy's mom and dad and beg them to go to football, and then when he doesn't play good or I have to bench him, I got to talk to Jimmy and Johnny's mom and dad about why I benched him, right? And that's you the don't stuff. You have to talk to him. Well, yeah, but no, more times ignore. than not, they do, nah, more times than not, they do because they're going to have to meet them face-to-face at some point or the way it is in college football, yeah, they're just going to be waiting outside your office door, even the parents are. And I've seen that crazy crap happen in college football. So that's the crap you got to deal with where I think like real football coaches, you know, NFL wise, that's where they just look at it and go, damn, I don't want any part of that. that that's the thing I think that ends up being the biggest turnoff to, to a lot of them. And you got to recruit. You got to love yeah, recruiting. Right. If you recruit well, you can get yourself 10 first round picks every year. That's one of the reasons why Nick Saban was so happy at college. He was such a great recruiter. The recruiting now changes because, again, it's not how much money the program has. It's how much money it takes yeah. to maintain the NIL budget. And you're robbing Peter to pay Paul. That's the problem. And that's why Saban was always whining about yeah. NIL. Not sustainable. Because the more money, you can only shake so much money out of the boosters' right. pockets. Right. And if a lot of that money is going to the NIL fund, that's less money that's going to the fund that pays me exactly, or the fund that has this great facility that the players want to be at and all the other stuff we need to maintain the program. You're siphoning away the money that we use to pay the players. So Alabama can't compete with some of the other bigger schools that are going to emerge as the consistent year in and year out. They got the money to pay the players. They got the money to, to fund the program and, Money is going to drive that bus. So no, that you're exactly reason you're, you're, you're exactly right. I've had enough. I, I had a conversation with Mac Brown a, a few weeks ago, right? My old Texas coach, and he he said exactly what you said. He just said, "I don't think this is sustainable. College football is probably going to need a salary cap like the NFL." And he goes, "I feel guilty because I call a booster and ask him for money." And then seven weeks later, I got to call him and go, hey, do you got any more money? Because we got another guy we'd like to – and it just – it never ends. And that's where, yes, to your point, I think a lot of these college coaches are – yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough dance in the fine line of like, wait, I, I like this guy. I respect him. I want him to be a part of our you know, football organization here as far as college is concerned. And I don't want to look like I'm always mooching the guy and asking for, hey, can I have more money? Can I have more money? Can I have more money? And, uh, yeah, I, I can't think that that's going to last forever here with college football. You mentioned the possibility of a salary cap, but, again, again, anything that they try to collectively do under the umbrella of the NCA is an antitrust violation because these are all independent businesses that should be competing with each other for anything and everything, whether it's the professor that you want to hire or whether it's the quarterback that you want playing for your football team in a world like that. And the best outcome for college football they don't want to do it, but the best outcome is make it professional football. Make it a situation where you have a union that represents – let me finish, Pete. You have a union that represents all of the players nationwide. You have rules. You pay them. There's a salary cap. There are limitations on movement, and, and you got to finish the season. You can't just decide you're not going to play. 
or you ain't getting paid. So I think college football in many ways would benefit from having employees under contract. Yeah. You could smooth things out a little bit more. It's going to take a lot to get there. Right. But I think if we just call it, it, it already is professional football. It's just the players are getting screwed. Because they're not getting paid. Yeah, they have to go. They have to go find their money elsewhere. Right. At least they can do that now. So th- that's the solution, and maybe we'll get there in your lifetime, Chris. Probably not in mine. Let's take a break. When we return, some changes in Chicago to the coaching staff, and some ch- some big t- 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 easy for him to say big changes at quarterback, possibly coming for the Bears. We'll discuss that next. Today, Junior. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. What kind of fun is waiting for you at King's Island? The holy cow, we're way too high and here comes the drop kind of fun. The make a splash all summer kind of fun. The I can't believe I ate that whole funnel cake. Let's get another kind of fun. But most importantly, at King's Island, you'll find for the fun of it kind of fun. Don't wait to start your fun this season. King's Island is now open weekends. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Mother Chia pets growing over there. Ch 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 chia, ch 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 chia. <laughs> works better with Peter King. Now it works better with Peter King than me. That's a swing and a miss. Swing and a miss. That was good. Better with Peter King. What? No, that that's was not good. Me. That's it not my. You got to shape it a little bit better. My hair doesn't look like that. My hair doesn't look like that. It's it's out of control and it's still growing. And I'm glad at this age. Yeah. Fifty eight and seven months and three days. It is still growing. It is still all mine. I know there are plenty of doubters out there. From time to time, my wife says you should shave your head so people can see it grow in gradually. Oh, that would, one, that would be good I to have see a the feeling ch- that would not look good. Damn, it'd be awesome. It'd be real-life Chia and pet. Number two, we get to watch it. I'm, <laughs> I'm just concerned. I'm concerned that if I shaved it off, it wouldn't grow back. That it would just be like it's finally released and it's freed off into the wild. No and way. That's it. It's no done. way. It's that thing will grow back even like thicker. Nick Saban. Go ahead, shave it off this summer. That would be cool to do. I'd like to see you do it. Why don't you do that? When we have our sabbatical, I, shave it off. No. Yours will grow back. It'll be back by the time we're back on air. I think my head's misshapen. I've never seen my head because it's been covered by hair my entire life. But I can just tell that I think there's yeah you got lumps around little, you got lumpy head you, you, you know you yeah. know like you know yeah. like I mean back when I was born they used forceps to get kids out oh, and sometimes crap. that uh, damn 
That uh, you yeah, know, that yeah. I may have a, I may, I may have a little bit a of lot. a, <laughs> I may have a little bit of a, of a, of a, you know, like a, like a peaked roof there. So I don't want to find out the hard forceps. Way. I mean, what uh, were you? Yeah, you were you next to the Missy the cow in the barn there? What the hell were you doing? I, uh, Apparently, I was. Can you stuck. imagine that? Like, hey, Apparently. keep pushing. Oh, hold on, I almost got it. Oh. <laughs> it's kind of hilarious. It explains a lot. It does. It's probably why you're, you know, lumpy in the head and got some, you know, personality disorders. It, it makes sense now. <laughs> you know what? Uh, I, 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 all right, let's move on. Screw you and let's move on. I, I'll save. I'll save the profanity for the picks podcast later okay, today. Good. Okay. Uh, so half measures would be the way to describe what happened in Chicago. Matt Eberflus stays as the head coach. Luke Getze, the offensive coordinator, is out. Other members of the coaching staff out. Quarterbacks coach out. Here's Ryan Poles, the GM of the team, who also is not out because he was kind of tied to Eberflus, and there was concern that Kevin Warren, the new president of the team, would just get rid of both of them. Here's Ryan Poles, the GM, yesterday explaining and answering the question of why he's stuck with Matt Eberflus as head coach of the Bears. I really think that the head coach needs to be able to captain the ship when the seas are storm, or the, when these seas have storms, and really keep everything settled. Uh, when you go through hard times, and you can keep everyone together, to me, that's like the critical piece uh, in a big uh, in a market like this. Like you have to be strong. I mean, if he's jumping off the boat and everyone else starts jumping off the boat, it's a hot mess. So the stability was a big piece of it. Um, the detail that he coaches with, taking some of the mistakes from the game, uh, bringing them to practice, and making sure that we're doing things the right way. I saw a lot of progress in that. There's a reason why we went from three to seven wins. There are The player aspect of it is important, but also the detail and bringing the team together and sticking through those hard times allowed us to push through. And, and you saw a lot of those wins happening towards the back end of the season. If it's not for him, I really don't think that's the case. I think it starts to crumble. Everyone starts to do their own thing. So to me, that was a, a critical piece in this. Do you have complete autonomy on that, too? Is that totally your choice? Yeah, so it's, it's my call. And what I do is I get with you know George and Kevin and, and give my input. And the nice thing about this, we were all on the same page. Did you talk to Jim Harbaugh or his agent? And if not, why not? No, I haven't talked to Jim. Right. Did, why, why is this coach of Michigan? Sorry. Right. Did, did you? He was not a consideration. You know, you did not see him as a. No. You know. Like I said, we're we're going with Matt, and uh, I gave the reasons why. Um, I think go through. You know, I didn't. I didn't go talk to anybody. I mean, look, it's kind of an inartful way to ask the question. They're never going to tell you they talked to Jim Harbaugh, while they still have Matt Eberflus under contract. That's not how it works. You get yourself in trouble with the NFL if you start your coaching search before you fired the guy that you have. Now, it wouldn't be unprecedented, but you don't talk about it openly if you're doing it. So, you know, there was a thought that if they could upgrade to Jim Harbaugh, maybe they should. But you have to be damn sure you can get Jim Harbaugh. And, hey, there's something to be said for continuity and stability. There's something to be said for giving a guy a chance to settle in. And look what happened late this year. What happened? They were better. Exactly. Now, I don't like the idea of making the changes offensively. I don't like the half measure. Let's keep it all together. Right. Because now Justin Fields is going to have a new offensive coordinator. Who's it going to be? What are they going to do with him? Are they going to get the most out of him, or is it going to be a crap show? 
So they were showing signs of real progress. Agreed. I don't know why they felt compelled to dump Luke Getz. I don't understand that either. I don't. You know, there there was a little bit I know of a, a fan uproar there in Chicago at one point during the season, but I would think the way the last half of the season shook out that that would, you know, uh, uh, you know ease people's pains a little bit, right? Now, again, you look at where they are the last two seasons, yeah, it's it's not all that impressive. We know that. We understand that. But it was better this year. It's going in the right direction. Justin Fields looks like he turned the corner, in my opinion. And then when you get into really, like you just said, the last six to eight weeks, I'd go the Bears played as good a football as anybody in the game. Anybody. It's the number one run defense in the game. They got a lot of young talent. Matt Eberflus has done a great job coaching that side of the ball, right? Offensively, I really thought that, yeah, Justin Fields has, has, has made a lot of progress. It's not just, you know, running now. It is standing in the pocket and making pretty good decisions and being a pretty good thrower, right? It's not superstar thrower, but it's still really good. And I think I said to you last week, last week it might have been like, you know, two out of every four throws. I, you know, last year I'd have been like, oh, my gosh, what a, that's a horrible throw. Now now it's – I never say it's a horrible throw. And now it's like four out of every five throws. I go, that's on the money. You know, you'd like it to be five out of five, but it's not there yet. They got special things there. I'm shocked. I like what the offense was doing. The number one rushing offense, right? They're, they've learned how to play with DJ Moore and Darnell Mooney. Wasn't him totally his 100%. I'm a little surprised by the whole thing, too. I'm glad, though, ultimately they kept Matt Eberflus. Like you've heard me say, they've been playing good football. They didn't really try to win last year. This is what I hate about those years, right? Last year, they decided not to spend money or try to win or do anything, but yet we're going to blame the head coach for not being better here now and not really look at the context of the situation. You know, this is the first year they're going to really, hey, draft picks, big money, go out there, change their football team, and I, I'm glad that they kept Ever loose. I don't understand the Getzy thing. I'm, I'm with you there. Yeah, and look, you either get another offensive coordinator who doesn't work and everyone gets fired, and it's going to be harder to get a great offensive coordinator with this kind of cloud hanging over Eberflus and the notion that he's going to be on the hot seat because he will be, or you get a great offensive coordinator – and he becomes a head coach somewhere else. And then you got to go find another offensive coordinator. So it's one of the reasons why I'm a big believer, all due respect to defensive coaches, of hiring offensive coaches and tying that coach and the quarterback together, ideally for 10 years or longer. Okay, so we heard, 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 I'll get there one of these days, heard from Ryan Poles as to why he didn't fire Matt Eberflus. Let's hear from Matt Eberflus as to why he did fire Luke Getze. You know the growth and development of the of the offense. You know, to me, uh, needed to be uh, better than what it was. And uh, you know, to me, you know, you look at the passing game. Certainly, that's one aspect of it, and uh, that that's where it is. And uh, we decided to move on uh, from that. And again, that was my decision. Um, obviously, conferring with uh, you know Ryan and George and Kevin, and, and uh, we made that decision this morning. What do you want it to be good at offensively? It depends on who's available for the skill. Right. You know, what, you know, who's available for that game. I think you have to multiple that way. Um, and who are you playing? You know, is the team really good at stopping the run? And you're going to have to find other ways to uh, move the ball down the field. And I think that's what we're talking about, the multiplicity uh, of being able to, to uh, bend and adjust um, not only, you know, before the game, but also in game. 
That's encouraging if that's what they're looking for. First, you've got to find it. You don't want somebody who is tied to a system. I'm bringing my system. Well, what are you going to do with Justin Fields? Well, is he going to su- succeed in my system or he's not? No. You need an offense that's going to get the most out of your players, the players you have, the players you will have, an offense that can be flexible, that can be malleable to fit the players and to get the most out of whatever each opposing defense is giving you. They only got 11 guys to cover the field behind them. You figure out what they do, and you do things, you plan things, you execute things to take advantage of the opening that is necessarily left when some of those guys go one way, you have a chance to go the other way. So I like the idea. Yeah. It's just easier said than done. Right, right. You know, I, yeah, I, you know, I, I'm interested to see where it goes. Right. I mean, I know, you know, we we've heard. I, I heard they're going to interview Shane Waldron, the OC, or they requested an interview with Shane Waldron, the Seahawks' offensive coordinator. I want to go. It, it's it's a very similar system. Uh, that's where, and I'd go. What what in Seattle has happened that would give you the confidence to go? Oh, that'll be better than what Luke Getzey did. So you know, to your point, yeah, they they better pick this right here. And make sure they do get the right guy. And then, yes, to the to your point too, this is not going to be your normal standard offense to a lot of these offensive coordinators. You're going to get an offensive coordinator that understands quarterback design runs and how to use a guy like Justin Fields and his movement abilities that we know are special. So I'll be interested to see where this goes and what kind of hire they make because I, I think the Bears have tremendous potential and. Uh, with Justin Fields, I, I would think he's going to be the quarterback of the future, but maybe this move itself is a prequel to us, them showing us that he's not the future, that they might make this number one pick and make it on a quarterback. I don't know where it goes. I wouldn't agree with that either. Again, I think it's all going in this direction, and I'd say watch out for the Bears next year, but it certainly seems like they're not settled on that situation quite yet. Well, and that's the key. You and I both believe they should stick with Justin Fields. Previously, I think it was last week, we heard Matt Eberflus talking about looking at all options, not giving the same kind of clear commitment the Cardinals have given to Kyler Murray. Here's Ryan Poles, GM of the team, regarding the future of Justin Fields, a first-round pick from just a few years ago. Um, I did think Justin got better. Um, I think he can lead this team. Um, but at the same time, there's a unique situation where we, I have to look and our staff has to look at everything. So seeing the things that Justin did this year, um, his ability to make plays. Um, Coach talked about some of those improvements, keeping his eyes down the field, taking less sacks. Um, see a lot of growth there where he can continue to get better. So um, I'll have the same mindset. Someone needs to really show that they you know, can... And it's not just a film. Like, I need the person. Is there a world where you can draft a quarterback with the number one pick and keep Justin? Or are you of the belief that that's an untenable situation and it would have to be one of the other? So my brain has gone crazy all year just thinking about the just a million different scenarios. Um, and I'm sure that's, that's one of them. Um, I'll just stay very wide open with uh, the different paths that we can go. And as we collect information, if that close, you know, closes some of those um, – those pathways down and we'll do that move to the other ones but i'm going to be wide open about can you say definitively is number one pick for the right price for sale uh again i'll i'm wide open to anything so if someone wants to call me with an idea that's fine i'm I'm open to it look i like the idea of keeping your cards close to the vest although if Justin Fields is your guy, at some point you got to say he's your guy. Uh-huh. Exactly. And unless you've pulled him aside and said, hey, Justin, we're going to act like, you know, we're uncertain, but we're not, 
we're not moving you. Just just keep that to yourself, though. We're trying to get the most we can for the first overall pick in the draft. We're trying to set ourselves up the right way. So if it was a no-brainer, they would say it's a no-brainer. Now, I hope they take this into account. And I, and I understand that if you can't deal with pressure, you're not going to thrive at the NFL level. But you can put too much pressure on a kid too early in his career. And there's already enough pressure that comes from walking through the doors the first overall pick in the draft. You add to that pressure by, for example, trading from number nine to number one and giving up multiple future first-round picks. You put more pressure on a guy who's never done anything in the NFL. And he's conscious of that. He's feeling that. And then you have an apples-apples comparison from him to the guy who went after him, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud. That's what happened this year. I think it was a little too much pressure on Bryce Young. This year, whoever they would take, if they move on from Justin Fields, you know what they're going to do in Chicago. They're going to pay attention to what Justin Fields does. They're going to remember what he did, and whoever they pick had better be better right away than Justin Fields or it's going to look like a failure. So the kid's going to have that pressure, and maybe he'll be able to deal with it. All I'm saying is you've got to factor that in. Yeah. If you are going to throw back Justin Fields and, and, and try to catch a bigger fish, you better be damn sure. You better be damn sure that fish that you're going to pluck, you're not catching. You're, you know which fish you're getting. You better be sure that fish is going to taste better. It's a horrible metaphor, but I'm going to finish it. It's going to taste better than that fish you threw back. Yeah, I, I mean, yes, I, I agree with everything you say there. Agree. And, and, yeah, you don't know, you know, how some of these college kids are going to react. And especially it's a tough town. It's Chicago. We know it's a strong fan base. They love football. The quarterback thing is under the microscope. Justin Fields has shown he's physically and mentally tough, right? You know, I would stay the course. I would go with it. Build the team. You know what I say. Build the team. Justin Fields has, a, to me, more raw talent than Jalen Hurts, right? Okay, build the team around him. You might get something better than Jalen Hurts. His arm is stronger. He's way faster. Like, you put him on the Eagles, he'd look a lot different too. So that's where I'm just build the damn team. Stop always looking for, you know, as Wiseman says, diamond in the haystack. Okay, it doesn't always happen. <laughs> and bottom line, I know we got a break, but bottom line, you take that one lottery ticket where you go all in, and if you parlay that into five or six or seven lottery tickets where you can get multiple great players who get you to the point where you have a great team, it is a no-brainer unless you have a crystal ball that tells you that guy you're drafting is going to be a Hall of Famer, and no one has that crystal ball. If they did, they'd have Hall of Famers every single year. Let's take a break. More PFC Live right after this. So that's two in a row. Hey, Wayne. Game ball, buddy. That was a moment after a week that had some reports that there was friction, there was tension, there was right. turmoil between Brian Dayball and defensive coordinator. Wink Martindale, and as NFL teams often do during the week-in and week-out grind of a season, they say nothing to see here, nothing to see here, nothing to see here, and then once the season ends, there's something to see. <laughs> and it shows that there really was something all along going on between Brian Dayball and Wink Martindale. Bottom line is Martindale's out. There was a, did he quit? Was he fired? Martindale reportedly cursed out Brian Dayball after one of his assistants was fired earlier in the week, but 
It's really not a surprise. And no, that's why we say all the time, don't believe the things they say. The things they say are self-serving. When I say they, I mean any team, any coach, any GM, any owner, anyone. It's self-serving. They say what they have to say because they don't want to create a mess. We get to the truth eventually. And for the Giants, we got to the truth once the season ended. Yeah, uh, we did. I, I don't like it, right? I mean, I don't think these numbers are indicative of what that defense was the last two years. I don't. I mean, the defense, you know, really was the strength of the football team both years in a row. Like, let's not let's not forget that. These ranks show this. But in reality, you know, the ranks are what they are or a little lower because, I mean, come on, the offense we know. Earlier this year, it was horrible. They couldn't do anything. It's hard. The offense, you know, there are going to be games where we look at and go, hey, the Seahawks won 24-3. What a disaster. And we're going to forget there was a 100-yard pick six by the quarterback and that the Giants' defense kept them in the game the whole game where we were like, whoa, I can't believe they're still in this. There's so many games like that. The 49ers were earlier this year. I mean, of course, hey, hanging around, beating the Eagles once, hanging around another time. Uh, I don't agree with the fire firing. I don't like it. I don't, but I like you said, it's 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 not a shock. It's not. The, the writing was on the wall up here in New York. There was obviously issues, right? There was a lot of rumors out there that Wink Martindale felt like he was being micromanaged by Brian Dayball, right? And that was kind of the word on the street that it was like, he was like, hey, wait, what about the defense? And Wink Martindale was like, wait, your, your offense sucks, so why don't you get off my defense, <laughs> right? So that's kind of seems what happened there. Uh, with the New York Giants from everything I know surrounding the situation. And, yeah, it's over, and we'll see where the Giants go now on the defensive side of the ball. I want to put Martindale in play to land with one of these other coaches as one of these other staffs is built out, at least eight, maybe more, to be filled in the coming days and weeks. Let's take a break. When we return, wild card props as, you know, we're so caught up in all these coaching changes. There are six games this weekend, and they're pretty damn good. We'll look at some of the prop bets next here on PFT Live. Super Wild Card Weekend is upon us, and don't forget on DraftKings Sportsbook, this NFL playoffs, new customers can bet $5 and pocket $200 in bonus bets instantly. Plus, all customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every day. Download the app and use the promo code PFT Live when you sign up. DraftKings Sportsbook, the crown is yours. As always, please bet responsibly. All right. Props time. Dolphins at the Chiefs. It's going to be cold at Arrowhead Stadium, one of the coldest games in NFL history. Tyreek Hill back in Kansas City for the first time ever. He's played the Chiefs once, but that was in Germany. Over under of 84 and a half receiving yards. He cleared that in 10 of the 16 games he played this year. He had only 62 against the Chiefs in Frankfurt, including that memorable play where the ball was ripped out and returned for a touchdown. Is he over or under 84.5? I, I think it's going to be, like, really close right around there. I'm going to choose under, okay? I mean, I know that's dicey with Tyree Kill, who can do some of this stuff in one play and be like, watch out. But the thing I come back to, right, is, you know, okay, yeah, he was over this number 10 out of the 16 games. The games he's not over that number or barely over – you know, they lose. In the games they lose, the Chiefs, the Bills, right? The Bills twice, the Eagles, the Titans. They've all shown they have an ability to understand how the Dolphins get the ball at the Tyree kill. And I think that will continue again, especially then you add on a starting quarterback with a below average arm in the NFL playing in five-degree weather. I, I don't know. I'm going under, yes. 
Yeah, I'm going to go under as well, although this is going to be a challenge for Mike McDaniel, I think, to design and implement plays that take the elements out of the picture. You don't want to have a lot of quackers floating through the air if it's a cold, windy night in Kansas City. Get the ball to Tyree Kill quickly and let him let him take off because speed is speed. Yes. It's not like the playing surface is going to be all chopped up and chewed up and snowy. It's going to be covered the snows the day before. Let him get the ball in his hands and let him run through guys. Yeah, That's going to be the same no matter what the conditions are. So that's what I would do. And Hill's played in some cold weather games during his time with the Chiefs. I would just want to get the ball in his hands quickly and let him go. I still think he's going to be under, but but maybe not by much. Well, yeah, and he's scary. I'm not, ready to, I'm not writing the, the Dolphins off in this one because the Chiefs haven't been a juggernaut this year, but, boy, that weather really becomes a factor. No, no, they're I, not going to realize what a factor it is until they're out there. You, you heard me say last week, I mean, if I'm the Chiefs, I still would want the Dolphins to win – let that game on and week 18 because then they get the Steelers. I mean, this is still scary to our point, to what you're saying, everything, you know, it's one screen to Tyree kill. Oh no. He broke down the sidelines for 70 yards. Cause someone took the wrong angle. It's one toss sweep to Raheem Mozart and go, Oh no, he's 80 yards down the sideline. Cause someone made the wrong run fit. And then it's that crappy chiefs offense that we've seen. And you can go, Oh man, they're down 14, nothing. I mean, that's enough to go, I don't know. Can they overcome that against a pretty good defense in Miami? So, yeah, that's where it's scary for Kansas City. The big playability in a, 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 on the Dolphins and a struggling offense against Kansas City or with Kansas City, I mean, that, that could change things in, in a hurry. We know that. We're going to take a deeper dive into all of the Super Wild Card games in the joint Megapix podcast. Chris Sims unbuttoned at PFTPM. We'll be taping that later this morning. All right. Most passing yards in the wild card round. Who is the best bet? Both Dak Prescott and Joe Flacco are the favorites at 5-1, to one, just behind Matthew Stafford at plus 550. You see it all the way down to poor Mason Rudolph at plus 5,000. Uh, who you like off of that sheet to have the most? What's the best bet on that sheet to have the most passing yards in the wild card round? Well, it's definitely the first four guys are the guys I look at to go, you know, watch, watch out for that. I mean, Flacco and... They showed an understanding of how to the, the rules of that Texans defense the first time around, and they tore it apart. Dak Prescott, that Packers defense, that ain't all that special. Stafford against that Lions defense. All right, there's Jared Goff, of course. I think if I'm I'm gonna go, who's the best bet for all, most passing yards this weekend? I'm gonna go with Dak Prescott. I think he'll be the guy. If we're looking for value. Your boy Blue is plus 1,500. Yeah, I hear you. I think your boy Blue is going to be unleashed, and they don't have T.J. Watt. And without T.J. Watt, that defense is a very different thing. And with Mason Rudolph, I hear you. Bills may get the ball more often. Not that, so I, I kind of like I kind of like Allen. I think the value, that's for sure right. the one. I hear you there, Mike. Yep. All right, take a break. More PFT Live right after this. What are your general feelings on Sean McVay? Yeah, Sean and I are good. He's... I think he's a great coach. I think he's, uh, you know, obviously we had our differences there at the end, but um, he's a great coach. He's done a lot of great things, and, you know, he's a guy that uh, taught me a lot. When you end up making a change, that ended up being difficult, and could it have been handled better on my end? Absolutely, and I'll never run away from that, but the further you get away from it, the more that you try to grow as a man, as a person, as a leader that you want to become, he deserved better than the way that it all went down. I'll acknowledge that, and, and I think he knows that too, and, you know, and I'm not afraid to, to you know, admit to those things, but I think um, we're all better you know, you know, being able to look back on those things, and, and I do have more appreciation for him as time goes on. 
You know, we should all be so mistreated by our, our employers that they're paying us 33 million a year with 60 million fully guaranteed at signing. I mean, look, the bottom line is the Rams screwed up when they paid Jared Goff. They shouldn't have. I was shouting it in the summer of 2020 after or 2019 after they went to the Super Bowl and they lost and they were talking about paying him. I was saying, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. They did it and they regretted it two years later and they gave up a first round draft pick to get his contract off the books. That is the truth, and and now they got to play him. I just think that makes that game even more yeah. fascinating. Beyond Mar- Matthew Stafford going back to Detroit, Jared Goff getting a, a shot. I don't know that it's really revenge, though. He got what he deserved. He got his contract, and then he didn't play well, and they moved on from him. Yeah, well, he doesn't look at it that way. He doesn't think he got what he deserved, right? He's going to go, wait, I took you to the Super Bowl. We went to these playoff games. You got to remember, though, that they wanted to, you know, play Wolford over him in the playoffs, right? I mean, they, they, he did not play well at the end with his tenure there with the Rams. They wanted to replace it. This is the Matthew Stafford ball. Yeah, golf, of course, has a big play in this, but the Lions fans love Matthew Stafford. The Rams fans are not like, oh, we love Jared Goff. How do we ever get a ray from him? But it adds awesome intrigue to the game, and I think we're going to have an awesome offensive fun game Sunday night. On NBC and Peacock. We'll wrap up PFT Live right after this. What are you? St- Look at this Peacock oh we got back God. here. Ladies and gentlemen, for the first time in Chris Sims podcast history. Wow, look at this. The Peacock has made it. Oh, it's a little hello. bit it's a little freaky looking to be quite honest with you. <laughs> Can you make a peacock sound? Do you know what a sound a peacock makes? <laughs> I, that's, that's a chicken. <laughs> Thinking there's graphics up and that you won't actually see me. The peacock is being arrested. It's been arrested. Arrest him. Arrest him. It wasn't the real peacock. Oh my gosh. What just happened? Being escorted out of the building. What a little asshole peacock that is. Jeez. <laughs> I think that was also a, rec- a recreation of the mutual agreement between Pete Carroll and the Seattle Seahawks that he was leaving uh, as head coach. So, Saturday night, streaming exclusively, Chiefs Dolphins. Use that QR code to get the premium subscription necessary to watch the game. Five ninety nine for one month. Plenty of great content. Do you I'm know my best to be a what kind man of noise here. a peacock makes? I mean, do you know? Like. Do you know what it does? No, I have no idea. No, I, have no idea. I'm not really... I thought it was going to be a real peacock. It's... Why do they just get a real peacock? Okay, that well, we better. will. But like, can you keep it after that? Once we're done with the show, you keep it. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash.